Welcome to another special episode of the Bridgeway Podcast. Today, we pick up with the second part of a three-part conversation with lead pastor Sam Storms on the topic of prophecy. This is leading up to a conference that we are hosting here in Oklahoma City at Bridgeway Church called Convergence Equip, which is focused this year on building a prophetic ministry in the local church. Last October, we hosted the first ever Convergence Conference where we had guests from all around the world come together to learn how to practice both word and spirit. And then in the years in between the bigger Convergence Conference, we host Convergence Equip, where we focus on a smaller area of ministry and try to equip the church to live it out. This year's Convergence Equip will be held July 26th through the 28th here in Oklahoma City. To find out more, we invite you to visit convergenceconference.org. Let's jump in. All right. Well, we are here for the second part, like I said, with uh, Lead Pastor Sam Storms here uh, talking about how to practice the gift of prophecy. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, what is biblical prophecy. We spent a considerable amount of time talking about the difference between Old Testament prophecy and New Testament prophecy. So today, we actually get to say, all right, let's talk about um, 2018 and uh, the church that you uh, worship in and the church that we worship in and what does this gift look like and how do we practice it? Sure. All sounds, right. sounds exciting. Yeah. You've got some good explanations and answers. Yes, for us. I'm very ready to answer all your questions, <laughs> Sam, as always. <laughs> um, so the first the first question, I think, is let's start with just uh, the Christian's heart. Maybe people are coming to this going like, well, this is a fun theoretical exercise to think about, but why should I care? So let's start with the question, why should the Christian be concerned with practicing the gift of prophecy? Well, I suppose the the first answer, and maybe the best answer, is because the Bible tells us to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that sounds simplistic, but First um, Corinthians fourteen one earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then Paul goes on to explain why we ought to have this uh, preeminent passion for and concern for the prophetic, because he said it builds up uh, the Christians. First Corinthians fourteen three. It brings encouragement, it brings instruction, it consoles the heart. So that, I think, is the first one. And then, of course, at the end of uh, chapter 14, I think in about verse 38 or 39, he repeats his exhortation, earnestly desire to prophesy. So I think that's probably the first um, way to answer the question. And then the second is, um, think about what, we talked about this in our previous podcast, what's the foundation the underlying premise of prophetic ministry. It is that God is speaking to us. Mm. God is disclosing things to us. God is awakening us to uh, things in his word. Um, So hearing the voice of God is foundational to the whole concept of prophecy. Uh, If God is not speaking in any manner beyond what he's already written in scripture, then this is a moot point and Mm. we ought to move on to a different subject. But I believe the New Testament itself tells us that we should expect God uh, to reveal things to us. So I think just the way in which hearing the voice of God deepens our relationship with him, uh, it, it, it deepens our intimacy. Um, it, it, and, and then I think even beyond that, again, not because I don't want people to think that the purpose of the prophetic is self-oriented. It's not. Right. Its primary orientation is outward toward others. Um, and I, you know, I think I would add a third, uh, response to this and it comes from personal experience. Mm. If you've ever been the recipient 
of a prophetic word oh, yeah. in which you just, your eyes are opened and you just say, my goodness, there must be a God in heaven. <laughs> Not as if I doubted it, but wow, this confirms it. No, there's no other way this person could have known that they, they could have, they could not have discerned this struggle, this issue, this bit of knowledge that they just disclosed to me, um, and it just it, it's life changing. I mean, I I can still remember, and I can briefly share this. Uh, the first time I got a prophetic word, mm, yeah. it was in January of 1991. I was in Anaheim, California, at a huge conference, probably six seven thousand people. And my good friend Jack Deere had invited me out there, and he was kind of showing me the ropes because I was really new. I was a rookie in the things of the Spirit, still even a little skeptical. Sure. And um, at the end of the conference on the last day, he invited me to come down to a room um, connected to the convention center. And he said, just sit at the back of the room and watch and see what you can learn. So there, it was, oh, there were about 50, 60 people in there. And a group of individuals up at the front. So I just sat at the, on the very back row, my back up against the wall, uh, <laughs> trying to get as far away from it as I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I watched as these men prophesied to these mm. people. Now, I didn't know any of the people, so I didn't know how accurate the words were. But finally, after about an hour and a half, I was the only person left in the room. Oh, no. <laughs> and so it was kind of awkward. There they were sitting up front, and there I was at the back. And so they called me up front. And a gentleman, uh, I sat down in front of him. I'd never met him. And he looked at me deeply, and, and <laughs> he looked like a, pro, a prophet's supposed to look like. <laughs> and uh, he looked at me, and he said, uh, said I'm going to tell you what you've been praying in your hotel room mm -hmm. the last few nights. And so he began to quote my prayer to me verbatim. Yeah. And I've got a pretty good poker face, so I didn't give any hint that he had hit it. You know, I'm sitting there just inside. I'm roaring with what in the world. And outside, I'm very placid, very calm. And uh, he, he then began to describe what was happening in my church back at that time I was pastoring in Ardmore, Oklahoma. So, and this is the funny part about it. It's embarrassing to share. I've shared this publicly before, though. <laughs> I went back to my hotel room that night. And I got down on my hands and knees, but it wasn't to pray. <laughs> Were you looking for a wire? I looked for a <laughs> bugging device. <laughs> I honestly did. I thought it just leapt into my mind. Jack Deere's trying to lure me into a cult. And so he bugged the room and passed on that information to this guy. So I'd be duped. And, and then and I can remember just kind of freezing. I thought, wait just a minute. Sam, you, mm. you do believe God heard your prayers, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, why would you find it so difficult that God in turn might share those prayers with somebody else so they could speak them back to you to encourage you, to, to strengthen you, to remind you yet again that God really does hear you. He does care. Mm. So we, when we ask the question, um, why should we uh, care about it? Why should we want it in our, in our lives in the church? I mean, if you'd ask me after that, I'd say, wow, you know, I, I, it's not as if, it's not as if I went from being an atheist to a theist because I got a prophetic word. Right. Obviously I was a believer as a pastor. I, I know God exists. I know that he hears my prayers, but it's, it has that powerful way of driving home and reinforcing in our hearts 
that God really does listen. He really does care. He knows who I am. Mm. And it was one of the most uplifting and inspirational moments in my life. Now, I've, I've been the recipient of other prophetic words, but that was the first one. And um, it, it was uh, it was life changing. Yeah, I completely agree. I uh, the first time I received a prophetic word too, a woman uh, repeated a dream that I had five years prior that called me into spoken word poetry, which is what I I do. Um, five years prior, I didn't share it with anybody, and this woman that I didn't know, I was thinking about quitting Christian spoken word poetry, doing something else, and this woman came and repeated my dream to me verbatim. Yeah, and. It blew my mind. It changed my life. It, it God just came in and course corrected. And yeah, the experience of the prophetic is is definitely a great reason. Well, let me give you another example yeah. since we're sharing stories. Oh, here. sure. Um, this was in uh, the summer of 93. Mm. We were in Kansas City for a conference. And um, the second night of the conference, Anne, my wife, had a dream. And she got up the next morning. She said, I had a really weird dream about you last night. I mm. said, well, what was it? She said, well... I saw you at the base of a concrete wall, and you were hopping up and down trying to scale the wall, hmm. but you couldn't get very far because your arms were uh, at your side, and there was this band, kind of like a rubber band or a rope that was wrapped around you, and it kept you from making any progress. You were just kind of hopping up and down, but you couldn't, um, you, you couldn't get very high up the wall. Hmm. I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I didn't really know what it meant. So the later that day, Anne, by the way, had to leave the conference, and I was left there to myself. And once again, I was invited into a back room where some people were um, giving prophetic words. Now, some people may not know the name of David Roos. David is a very famous vineyard uh, worship leader. He's written a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, David's wife, Anita, was there. I'd never met Anita. And um, each individual was kind of sharing prophetic words. And she looked at me and she said, I just had a kind of a vision of you. I just saw you at the base of a big concrete wall and you're hopping up and down trying to scale that wall and you're not getting far because you're bound by these ropes, by these rubber bands around you. (laughs) And I am just coming unglued inside. And she said, oh, oh, wait a minute. I just had another vision of this, this massive pair of scissors that just came down out of heaven, snapped the ropes, and you're able to scale the wall completely, and you're able to get off the ground. And then she, and I, I said, what in the world does that mean? And she said, well, I think it means that you long to move forward in the things of God, and especially the, the gifts of the Spirit, <clears throat> but there are there are ropes, there are things that are binding you and preventing you from from." climbing up that wall into the things that God wants for you. But the good news is God is taking steps to set you free from those restrictions. Wow. He's cutting the ropes, the, 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 the things that have bound you in the past, and he's uh, bringing you into the fullness of the experience of, of what it means to, to enjoy him fully. So very similar. You know, yeah. I've never met this woman in my life right. who, who just repeats Anne's dream from the very night before, and uh, yeah, did you immediately call Anne and go, "Hey, oh, check yourself for oh, a wire." Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I laughs> Are did. you bugged? <laughs> well, I didn't do that, but I did call her and say, "You'll never guess oh, what just happened." Goodness. 
Well, I, I really do appreciate that. So uh, the, the reasons, I think the three are really helpful. Uh, the Bible tells us to, and uh, it also tells us that it's for our upbuilding and edification, um, that we believe that God is a speaking God. And uh, I mean, that's a good one right there too. Right. That we, could, we could spend a lot of time on, but we'll, we'll suffice it to say that God is talking, shouldn't we want to listen? And then three, just the, the personal experience of whenever it happens, uh, God can do powerful things in our lives. Right. So I think those are good enough reasons to move forward with why we should be having this conversation, why you as a Christian should uh, be concerned with pursuing the gift of prophecy. So now let's ask the question, how do we go about that? If the Bible says eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, what mm-hmm. are ways that we can go about desiring the spiritual gift of prophecy? Yeah, it's a good question. It's, it's interesting that Paul gives the exhortation, but he doesn't give specific instruction, right? <laughs> which is frustrating for us. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're just to sit around and do nothing. Um, earnestly desire, pursue, um, do not forbid prophetic words. I mean, all these exhortations. Um, I think one of the things we have to do, first of all, is we have to study. I mean, there are some great books that have been written on the subject. Mm-hmm. We have to familiarize ourselves. Uh, with the nature of prophetic ministry. I think uh, one of the most important things is we have to look into the scriptures themselves for examples of where it's happening. Right. Um, You know, the book of Acts would be a a perfect illustration of this. Uh, How, you know, many times in Acts it talks about the certain individual having just been filled with the Spirit and then they spoke forth a prophetic word or a word of Mm -hmm. knowledge to someone. So we have to see how it is actually practiced in the New Testament. Um, I think another way we do it is it's important to hang out with people who are committed to the same goal. Oh, yeah. That's um, good. And, in other words, if you're, if you're surrounding yourself with cynics and skeptics and those who are scoffing at spiritual gifts and the prophetic, you're not going to be encouraged. You're not going to feel much boldness to pursue this or to no. step out in, in, in faith and take some risks. You need to be around people who are encouraging you, who are on the same journey, and then, of course, that leads to perhaps the most important thing, and that is prayer. Um, you know, I, I think, for example, of uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, where Paul says, let the one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Mm. So here's Paul saying, you're a believer. You've already got uh, one spiritual gift. Ask God to give you another one. I see. Uh, so it can be effective in the corporate meeting of the church. And so I think um, we have to pray. We have to take it before the Lord on a regular basis. Um, And I think finally, um, we have to be willing to take risks. Mm. We have to be willing to step out and share and, um, and, and, and again, take risks. That doesn't mean rush up to the platform on a Sunday morning (laughs) and grab the microphone and yell out, well, thus saith the Lord. No, don't do that. (laughs) I'm talking about typically in uh, one-on-one situations Mm. or small group gatherings and prayer meetings. And um, I think one of the ways that people can facilitate this among themselves, uh, and this is what we try to do at Bridgeway, is uh, we have, we, we tell people, look, whatever else is going on in your small group, whatever kind of dynamic is operative, whatever, whether it's a Bible study or you, it's a focus on marriage or uh, you're just worshiping together, take about 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just set aside that time and just say to everybody, look, we're, we're just going to get quiet. I know it's qu- silence is awkward and right. you know, it may, everybody gets nervous. Well, don't. Let's just sit quietly before the Lord and ask him to reveal his heart 
for somebody in the room. Mm-hmm. And if if nothing happens, that's fine. If nobody senses anything, uh, we don't conclude that God hates us. It just means that he's not doesn't have anything for us at that particular time. Right. More times than not, though, after about five minutes of very quiet, meditative um, focus, and sometimes it's good, pick out one person and yeah. just kind of focus in on them and say, Lord, here's Joe over here, and he's just been a, he's been on my heart. He's been a burden to me. Is there something that you want me to say to him, something that you can disclose to him that's going to be strengthening and encouraging in his walk with the Lord? And then after five minutes or so, just say, okay, folks, did anybody have a sense, an impression? Did you see anything? Maybe some of you had a dream earlier in the week about somebody here. Uh, Can you share that with us? And oftentimes, if this is new to people, it'll take a while for them to get over their hesitation. Mm-hmm. It'll take them a while to, uh, to to get over their fear of looking dumb. Right. And by the way, I would always preface these kinds of situations by saying to people, look, um, you're safe here. Yeah. If you say something that doesn't resonate with anybody in the room, Nobody's going to laugh at you. We're not going to excommunicate you. We're not going to pull you up in front of the church and point a finger and say, you dodo, what, you know, what's the matter with you? This is a safe place. We all are fallible human beings. Mm-hmm. We're all struggling. Um, and so if, if you say something and it's a little off base, don't worry about it. Um, so I try to create a safe atmosphere where people feel encouraged. Um, and then just give opportunity for people to share that. And then... There's more to it than that. If, let's say, uh, let's say God really does lay something on your heart for Joe, mm. um, then say, all right, Joe, we're going to put you out here in the middle of the room, and we're going to put you in a chair, and we're just going to gather around you. We're going to lay hands on you, and we're going to pray specifically for you. And we invite everybody just to lift Joe up to the Lord. And in the course of that time of, of praying for an individual, many times, um, God will disclose something. He will reveal something to us. Um, so, I mean, I think, for example, of uh, 1 Timothy 4.14, where Paul talks about um, about how Timothy received a spiritual gift when the elders laid their hands on him and prayed for him. Mm-hmm. And you never know what God might do in those, those kinds of situations. So those are just some of the steps um, for, for pursuing the, the prophetic. Um, and I just think we have to be diligent and, and have to endure because sadly, it, as is the case with so many other things in the Christian life, if something immediately doesn't happen, we tend to get discouraged and we tend to get cynical and we say, look, I can spend my time on something else. I, I don't have to, uh, uh, I don't have to, to be afraid uh, the, of the fact that I didn't seem to hear God at this time. So, I think endurance, perseverance, commitment to hang in there, even when nothing seems to be happening. Mm. Uh, it's very much like just prayer in general. We pray for things and <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like God's hearing us or doing anything. We don't quit. No, we keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Yeah, that's really helpful. So uh, we talked about study. We talked about being with others who are uh, desiring the same things you're desiring. We talked about prayer. We talked about um, practice. Right. Yeah, in a safe environment and starting small. Yep. That's great. That's well, you know, helpful. I can throw in one more thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, for example, it's what we do at Bridgeway. We have regular training. Right. Uh, so we have um, 
you know, a kind of a curriculum for uh, training in the prophetic. And um, I don't know if your church has this or doesn't have it. You might find a church that does, that's near you. Sometimes the training, you can find it online, but it's certainly great to be present physically when that happens. And so Mm -hmm. we have people, not just from Bridgeway, we have people from other churches all around the city that will come to our training in the prophetic. Um, In fact, so for example, the day we're recording this podcast, uh, the evening, our women are having a gathering, right. and one of our elders is going to teach briefly on prophecy, and then they're going to actually get in small groups and do it. Yep. And, you know, I know that so for so many Christians, that is such a scary thing, mm-hmm. but until you actually um, say, all right, Lord, I, I'm, I'm at your disposal, use me in whatever way, I'm not going to be afraid of making a mistake. Um, it doesn't reflect on my spirituality if I miss it. And just seek to bless other people with what God has revealed to your heart. Yeah, I think the training is really helpful. And you're right, people come in. Um, some of the ones that I've been at, the prophecy workshops that I've been at just to volunteer or something. Uh, we've had people from local colleges come just to be like, I heard about this prophecy thing. I'm a Christian, but you know, don't really know anything about this. Not interested in attending Bridgeway or anything like that. They come, and in one of the groups that I was in, uh, the Lord revealed a bunch of stuff for this kid from a local college. And um, just all this direction, all this stuff that he didn't share. And uh, the next Sunday, I see him at Bridgeway on Sunday morning, and he's been a regular attendee ever since because it just dragged him in. Sure. You know, it's it's amazing, really. So yeah, I would I I, I love the, the the training stuff is really good because it, it kind of combines a bunch of the ones that we already talked about on how to pursue the mm-hmm. gift of prophecy all in one. So that's really helpful. Um, so maybe you could talk to us a little bit about um, here at Bridgeway, even or maybe another um, another context that you've been in, what does prophecy look like in the local church? You talked a little bit about small groups. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm a huge fan and proponent of that. I think small group, practicing the prophecies in small group is really helpful. Uh, I've seen a lot of fruit from that in our, in our community group. But talk about it uh, also just how does that look on a Sunday morning? Sure. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people might be like, what? Yeah. How, do, how do you roll that out? Well... <sighs> For one thing, it doesn't have to happen on a Sunday morning. Right. Now, especially if you're a smaller church, it's much easier. Uh, let's say, for, and I'm just going to be real practical here just in terms of logistics. If you have only one service on a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. it's much easier because you're not under a time crunch. In other right. words, I just, it, it, we had to go to two services here. God blessed us with numbers. I'm grateful for that. But one thing I don't like about it is that in the first service, uh, it's very hard to facilitate uh, the exercise of gifts simply because we have to go relieve the nursery workers and the child care folk who are probably climbing the wall by this time <laughs> and, um, and do the transition into the next service. So that is a very real logistical challenge to prophetic ministry on a mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Second service, we're a little bit more free with our time. Um, but the Sunday morning gatherings, especially if you've got more than a couple hundred people, it's hard. The way we do it at Bridgeway is that 
people uh, have been told, and probably we need to remind them on a more regular basis than we do, but people have been told that if you feel like the Lord has revealed something to you, uh, first pray about it in your own heart and really determine as best you can that you've actually heard from the Spirit. And then they have to come to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm there 90% of the time. If I'm not there, we have another elder or pastor who would kind of be the point person. But generally, they'll come to me. It's very common for me to be engaged in worship and somebody comes up and taps me on the shoulder. And sometimes there's two or three people who come up and tap me on the shoulder. This, uh, for example, last Sunday, it was two ladies who who. Who, who had been involved in intercessory prayer mm-hmm. um, who felt like the Lord really impressed on them something. And so they came to me, they shared what the Lord had said, and then I have to make a lot of snap decisions. And I don't always make them correctly. I, I People have to know that I can make mistakes. I have to, first of all, did you really hear from God? Is, mm. this, is this consistent with what we see in Scripture? If I conclude that it is, I have to know, all right, is this for you personally or is this for the church corporately? Right. Because oftentimes, probably half the time, I think God will disclose something to us so that we will then take it to him in prayer. Mm. Um, sometimes uh, it is it is truly, I think, from the Lord, but it's not meant to be shared corporately, but rather you are to go to the individual who you think it's for. So sometimes the, the person will say, well, I, there's no particular person I had in mind. Uh, I think it's for the church as a whole. Other times they'll say, you know, I saw this guy over there, and I don't know who he is, but I had this real impression that this is for him. Can I share it from the platform? Sometimes, more times than not, I'll say, you know, I would prefer you just go to that person. Right. Just go up and say, you know, don't be, <laughs> hope you aren't being intimidated by this, but I just had a, I was just looking at you, and I feel like the Lord laid something on my heart for you. And then you share it with him. Now, if we determine it's for the body as a whole, then we got to make decisions like, when do we share this? This Sunday, or do we process it for a week and pray about it and share it next Sunday? Mm. If we're going to do it this Sunday, when do we do it? So, for example, with these two ladies, I said, we'll do this after the worship set. You come up front. I'll call you up front. Um, and then we have to decide who delivers the word. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty good sense of who would do well with a microphone in their hand and who wouldn't. Right. And so sometimes if I sense they're really nervous, I'll say, would you like me to share this for you? And they, yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or other times I think, you know, I think you need to do this. Mm. And sometimes they'll say, oh, I don't know. I had a, we had a lady about, oh, six weeks ago. Um, first name is Susan. I won't give her last name. And Susan <laughs> came up and I said, I think you should share this. She just started shaking. She was so nervous. She said, oh, no, I couldn't. I said, no, I really think you could. Mm. She got up there, and it was incredible, very confident, very clear, very, very powerful. So that's how we typically do it on a Sunday. And, you know, the one drawback, again, is we typically have to restrict it to one or two, at Mm -hmm. most three. Usually we only have time for at most two. And then that will oftentimes lead into prayer ministry. We will call people to the front who are part of our prayer team, and we'll say, all right, we feel like this word is for the body as a whole, maybe for some of you in particular. If this really touched your heart, and sometimes we'll say, go to the person who just gave this word, or we'll have many people here available to pray for you, and we'll invite them to the front for prayer. And that, by the way, is another way in which prophecy is practiced on Sunday morning. Even without anybody giving a corporate word, Right. Um, we invite people to come to the front and receive prayer after the service for any 
and all matters in their life. And many, many times um, the person who's praying will hear from the Lord about that individual mm-hmm. and speak something powerfully into their life. Yes. So that's typically how it happens on a Sunday morning. I think that's a clear picture. I think that's helpful. I, I, I'm sure that I know for me before coming to Bridgeway, if you would have asked me what the prophetic ministry would look like in a local church, I would not be able to paint you a picture. I would not be able to just say, oh, it probably looks something like this. Yeah. Like but I, the way laying the landscape like that, I think also demystifies it a bit and is like, oh, this is something that could yeah, actually work. And again, on a purely practical level, I've been in a number of churches in the past where I've spoken and they had an open microphone. Right. I don't recommend that. Mm. Um, I, I think it's it's difficult. One thing, you, it's very difficult to control what is said, how long they speak, right. who says it. And the fact of the matter is there will invariably be somebody from outside your church that you don't know who's very unstable, but they're convinced they've got a word from God for this church, mm-hmm. and they will seize the opportunity to run to the front and shout it aloud, and rarely is that helpful. Right. Um, and so we want to we protect the people of God. We want to guard the gift. We want to we pastor it well. So mm-hmm. I do not recommend an open microphone. Yep. Well, I think it's a helpful note. Um, well, let's ask one more question, and then we'll conclude this episode here. Um, what are, let's say some, someone's listening, they're like, okay, I want to desire these gifts. I'm, I want to start praying about it, surrounding myself with people who desire the same thing I do. I want to find a local workshop or something like that. Um, I, I can see how this would maybe even work in my local church. Uh, what are some practical tips for incorporating the prophetic ministry in a local church? Um, and maybe maybe it's too big of a of a question for like, um, from a top-down way, but let's just say if you're a you're a Christian and you want to practice the prophetic with others in your church, I mean, how do you go about that? I feel like some people might feel like their legs are cut out from under them. Yeah, um, I think this is especially an important question for people who are in churches that have never done it before. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I have in mind. Um, I get emails regularly from people uh, who've read a book or they've listened to one of my sermons mm. or they've encountered somebody else who's taught on the prophetic and they say i i don't think i have much support in my local church yeah i think i think you have to honor the leadership of your church yes you do not try to introduce something on your own that might uh, run counter to what they believe so i think what you do is you go to your pastor you mm-hmm. go to one of the elders you go to somebody and say look um, I'd like to know where we stand on this mm-hmm. because I don't want to step out of line. I don't want to create a problem. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want controversy to erupt. So um, give me some advice. Tell me what I should do. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, uh, you'll get the response, uh, yeah, we don't believe that happens anymore, and we aren't going to allow it in our church. Right. Well, that opens up a whole different set of questions. What do you do then? Mm-hmm. And I have people ask me that all the time. They say, I'm frustrated. Should I leave my church? Should I stay? And there are all lots, sorts of dynamics that go into how you respond to that. But um, uh, I think one of the things you can do is when you approach leadership, you say, look, um, would it be okay with you if, if in our small group we started exploring this together, hmm. if we started reading a book together, we started pre- practicing this prayer model together, uh, and, and we're not here to pursue an agenda and we'll, we'll submit to your leadership. And I think when, when pastors and elders hear that, 
they are reassured that you're not out to make a name for yourself right. or to disrupt the, the local body. And they'll say, you know, that, yeah, that's okay. Just let's, let's stay in touch. Let's meet regularly. You can report to me how this is going. But honestly, um, this is my own personal opinion. It largely comes from experience because this is what happened with me. If the lead pastor who is primarily responsible for preaching and teaching on a Sunday does not himself embrace the truth of the prophetic and see its value and teach on it from Scripture, there's probably not going to be much progress. Right. You really have to—whether it's good or bad, it's an inescapable fact of human nature. People in a church will rarely get excited about something that their pastor uh, kind of— squashes. Mm-hmm. He has to be excited. He has to show zeal. He has to model this. He has to be able to stand up and say, look, folks, this is important. Mm-hmm. We're not going to ignore this, and we're going to do everything we can to help facilitate this in your life. So one of the ways, obviously, is you have to pray for your leadership, pray yeah. for the pastors and elders that that God would put the same a fire in their hearts that he's put in yours. Yeah, that's really good. What What would you say? Also, I, I just I think you're right to focus in on this hypothetical person because they're very much not hypothetical. <laughs> um, what would you say to the person who's doing that, um, trying to pursue the gifts, doesn't feel a peace about leaving their church or something like that, but not having discontentment or disdain for their leadership for. Um, the church itself. I just I have a lot of friends in that situation where they're like, I believe that these gifts happen, but my leadership's not moving. Even people on staff with senior leaders, and they're saying, um, I want to be practicing th- these things. I am practicing these things with my family and my friends, but I still feel called to stay in this church. What would you say to them about how to breed contentment or and and, and peace in that situation? And and oh yeah, that's yeah. hard. That's uh, yeah, hard. it is hard. Um, generally, I would say as long as the leadership of the church does not command you to um, avoid these things okay. and say, yeah. look, uh, we simply forbid that. You can't mm. do that here. You can't do it in, 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 in a one-on-one situation like you're in a, an accountability group with two other people. We just don't want you doing that. We want you to avoid it. Short of them actually... Uh, totally and completely forbidding the pursuit of these gifts, um, I think you can remain in the church. Mm. Uh, if they, you know, again, I think if you have to commit yourself to praying, you have to say, um, I, we're going to devote ourselves to seeking God in this. We're going to submit everything that we think we hear to the leadership. I think then you can remain in the church. Um, it's going to be difficult long-term uh, let's be honest. Yeah. If this is really important to you and you feel like God is moving in power and you're not being supported and encouraged, um, that's, you know, again, I'm I'm so reluctant to tell people to leave their local church. Definitely. I mean, I I just, I think you got to press through. There got to be some major obstacles. Yes. And if this becomes, um, you know, something written into the bylaws and it is rigidly enforced, to the point that you find yourself the, almost as if the spirit is being quenched in your own heart, mm-hmm. then you might have to consider finding a local fellowship that will encourage you and support you uh, in your pursuit and practice of the gifts. Okay. 
I think that's helpful. Well, I'm excited to talk uh, to you again on the next episode, wrapping up this three-part conversation on prophecy. We'll be talking about the pitfalls of prophecy. So uh, maybe those who are more cynical will be more excited about that yeah, final right. episode. They're like, see, there's problems. Yeah. But we'll look at those and uh, maybe even how we can resolve some of those and, um, and kind of guard ourselves. But uh, thank you for today, Sam. This was great, and we'll talk again soon. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BridgewayOKC, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchOKC. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.